I think it's really important for young people to have high quality RSHE in order to develop well as young people. Hello and welcome to another episode of RSHE Ready, a podcast where we talk to the leading voices in the education sector about the game-changing impact of the statutory RSHE requirements. And for this episode, we have something a bit different for you. We've already heard from leading organisations from across the education sector, but we can do this series without hearing from young people themselves. After all, these changes are being made for them. So we've enlisted the help of colleagues at the Association for Young People's Health, AYPH, to interview two young people to get their view on these changes. Quick word on AYPH because we haven't heard from them yet in this series. Uh, The Association for Young People's Health is the UK's leading independent voice for young people's health. They bridge the words of policy, practice and evidence to promote better understanding of young people's health needs and to advocate for youth-friendly health services. By sharing learning and best practice, they promote and provide better services to meet young people's specific health needs. The young people in this episode, George and Tara, sit on the AYPH Youth Advisory Panel, which is formed of young people aged 10 to 24 years old, who help govern the organisation, inform research and help promote better services for young people across the UK. And you can find out more by visiting youngpeopleshealth.org.uk. I'll hand over to Jeremy from AYPH now. But do remember to subscribe on whatever platform you're using and you'll find out when new episodes become available. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeremy Sachs and I'm the project manager for the Association for Young People's Health. Outside of that, I'm a psychotherapist and I'm going to be your guest presenter on today's episode. Now, more importantly than all of that, today I am joined by two young people, George and Tara, to get their views on the new statutory RSHE requirements for schools. Let's not forget that these changes to the curriculum are for young people to support their health, relationships and ability to navigate this fast-changing world. So it's really important to hear what they think about them and how we can ensure these changes genuinely support all young people to thrive. So guys, I'm going to throw it out to you. Um, Let's start with Tara. Tara, who are you? What a great question. Um, (laughs) Hi, my name's Tara. I'm 13 years old, currently in year nine, and I I enjoy playing sports all the time. Although lockdown has found me trapped inside, like pretty much all of us right now, I'm honoured to have been given this opportunity, and I strongly believe that RSHE has an important role in teaching us life lessons and teaching us morals for the future. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Tara. And while I really hear that frustration about not being able to go outside and do sports, does mean you've got a ton of time to do some podcasts. So winning. Um, George, who are you? Hi, my name's George. I'm 16 years old and I'm from Bristol. I spend a lot of my time campaigning for young people and trying to get our voices heard in the wider community. I feel it's very important for young people to be heard and I just kind of want to give my own experiences to help other people. That's great, George. Thank you. Uh, We were chatting the other day and you were at your local council campaigning. Do you want to tell us very quickly about what the issues were you were campaigning for? Um, We were working on around, we're working around the 
things that happened in this summer regarding GCSE and A-level results, things like that, and trying to get young people's voices heard within the off-call and the problem education's consultation. So, yeah. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Um, so, look, we'll jump straight into the questions. Do you think relationships, sex and health education can make a difference in young people's lives? And if you do, Why? I'd say yes, most definitely. They learn from their teachers and they gain deeper understanding into the world of relationships. And by being informed around the subject, children are warned of the consequences of their decisions and they become more aware of their choices. Right, right. So there's something about a deeper understanding of the issues that young people can face leads to young people making better choices and avoiding tricky situations that they could find themselves in if they didn't have all of the information available to them. I 100% agree. I think RSHE is really important for young people to have an understanding of things that are going to happen in their future and to be prepared for that, things like that, as well as working on them in the present. I think it's really important for young people to have high quality RSHE in order to develop well as young people. The more knowledge you have, the more able you are to take agency over your own decisions. And that, in theory, should lead to you guys being able to make more informed decisions that are like healthier or more sustainable or whatever kind of language you want to use around that. Um, What advice would you give to teachers to definitely not do when teaching about sex, relationships and health education? This is the question I spent most of my time on because I've had so many experiences with this and it's just, oh, it's it's unexplainable. But I would say the worst thing a teacher can do is they can make the situation really awkward because from past experiences, I think that it really affects how the students act and how they take on the information. Also, I would say to them, please do not focus on getting just, just getting the information across because it would be so beneficial to let the pupils ask questions and share their experiences if they're comfortable with that. It just engages them in the conversation. Okay, so is that awkwardness around like relationships and sex and that kind of interpersonal stuff? I'd say so, yes. And also they don't, they just don't, they don't have the confidence a lot of the time and they themselves feel awkward, which makes the students feel awkward. So they have to be confident to make the students confident. That's what I found. Then I fully agree. I think we need to stop stigmatising things that are talked about in these kinds of lessons and make sure it's an open conversation between young people and their teachers and make sure that we all have the the chance to have our voices heard and share our experiences with other people. George, that's a really interesting answer, and I'm afraid the um, ominous reward for giving a good answer is a follow-up question. Um, What do you mean stigma? Can you elaborate on areas you feel might be stigmatised within uh, teaching relationships, sex and health? I'd say definitely around things like sex, obviously. Within young people, it's obviously quite a main conversation that young people have with each other but with older their older counterparts and having more education around it rather than just it being a thing that happens is really important for young people in order for them to develop as well as this I think things like relationships anything like that there's a lot of information around it and kind of brush off but we don't talk about things that are often seen as much worse and then people don't know what to do in those kinds of situations so I think there just needs to be a lot more light shone on these kinds of issues. 
Right, so young people themselves are having conversations about sex, but perhaps there are areas around sex and relationships that are difficult to talk about or can feel problematic, and actually having an adult with facts, with good information, can draw a light on these difficult conversations that young people uh, need to be involved in in order to keep themselves safe. See, I'm very glad I asked you to expand on your answer. Thanks. So what advice would you guys give to a teacher who's just starting to teach PSHE and might be a bit nervous about it? I suppose I'd just say go for it. Like, you need to you don't, you need to avoid feeling awkward if you can, I suppose, as in in order to make sure that you keep the environment more relaxed. If you start feeling awkward in front of the young people, the young people are going to begin to feel awkward. So mm. it's not really going to be a good environment to talk about issues that you're going to be discussing. Which, I mean, I understand how nerve-wracking it would probably be to stand up in front of a class for the first time talking about these kinds of topics. Yeah. But I guess it's always just making sure that it's an open space for everyone. <laughs> Sage advice. Um, what do you do when you're feeling nervous or awkward, George? I just say generally take a deep breath while you speak, things like that. Mm. Make sure you can just try to try not to think about all the bad things not happen. Chance that you've got thirty children staring at you, all judging you because you're obviously you're your own worst critic. Ultimately, they're not judging you any more than you're judging yourself. What George mentioned is so important because, as I said before, it's so awkward at times if the teacher just stands there and doesn't. It's it's as if they don't want to teach you because they don't want to do the subject. But it is important. And I'd say be clear about the content that the students are going to learn. Be clear about what you're teaching and use the correct terminology. Because I find in a lot of cases, they they try and use, not slang, but they try to use more child-friendly terminology, which I think does not get to the point because you have to use the real life language for us to learn properly. And I'd also say, just like I said before, you have to let the children have group discussions all the time just to make sure they engage and they understand. And it's not just going through one ear and out the other. They have to take this on board for the rest of their life. Right, right. So if somebody's teaching you something that you're going to use for the rest of your life, you need them to be clear from the outset what you're doing and not to use like slang or jargon or child-friendly terminology. Um, what I'm a bit interested in that, actually, what's the effect if a teacher uses um, unclear language or doesn't set the agenda early on? I'd say by using those type of terms, it doesn't get across how serious of a situation it is. It seems more like something that you can take with a light heart that is not going to make much of a difference in your life. But in fact, it will. And in order to make sure we understand that our life can be changed by such a thing, you have to use the right language. Ah, such a good answer. Thank you, both of you. Um, so the last question before you are free to go about your day. What's the best thing you ever did in a PSHE lesson? It wasn't quite a PSHE lesson in the normal sense of having a few kids in a classroom talking about relationships, something like that. But we had a morning in my school when we were talking about sex, things like that, where they split us off into two separate groups, being boys and girls, but also 
Inferno were both covering, covering very similar topics. It was just a way of making sure that we felt as comfortable as we could discussing things like this. So we'd both go off into different rooms. We watched a video about things like consent and the importance of it and how it is okay if something happens to you. Like there's so much stigma around if you're forced into doing something you don't want to do or something like that. And I felt it was really important for that to be discussed in the classroom without the kind of stigma behind it, without the kind of shame behind it. I felt it was really important, especially with a group of boys who obviously maybe have mixed opinions on the matter. Wow, it sounds like your teacher got it absolutely right. Um, Not only were you able to talk about sex, but also to acknowledge, you know, for young men that relationships and sex can come with a specific set of stigmas and shame attached to it that can really inhibit us being able to, to consent to things or to say, I don't consent to things. And that is such a, such a crucial um, lesson, I think, for young men and crucial to provide a space to talk about that. How about you, Tara? What has been your favourite PSHE lesson? Um, my favourite lesson was actually quite similar to George's, believe it or not. We were as a whole class because actually in my class there's only about 13 or 14 of us. So if we were to split off, there'd only be about five or six in each class. But um it was boys and girls mixed. We watched a video on toxic relationships and I didn't realize at the time how much, like how badly a relationship can go without you even realizing you, you can be controlled by your partner and you wouldn't even know it's subconscious, but I think it really opened my mind into the real world of toxic relationships, abusive relationships. And a lot of the time people believe that only females experience this. That is not the case at all. Males experience this just as much as females. It's just that the community, our society right now believes that females are the ones that are gonna be affected more. That's not the case in 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 a lot of situations. So yeah, that really, that really affected me. So you're, I mean, you're talking about a, a coercive, abusive relationship. That is the type of abuse and toxicity that, well, you obviously do talk about it, but in society, there's not a lot of light shown on that. So being able to recognize warning signs for those types of relationships so early on is amazing. That's such a critical thing to learn, again, to go back to George's word about stigma. Okay, (laughs) this is a bonus surprise question that we uh, didn't agree to before recording, but you've both made me think of it, and I don't know if it'll make it into the podcast, but you've both talked about some really big, serious issues. Um, And George talked about that in a single-sex group, and Tara, you talked about that in a mixed group. Do you think splitting gender off makes a difference when having these conversations with young people? Um. Okay, I'll <laughs> That was an awkward silence. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what we don't want in the classroom, yeah. awkwardness. <laughs> yeah, um, I think everything has its advantages and disadvantages. There was in primary school when there was a situation where we were both split up 
boys and girls, but we did learn about the other sex and we learned about everything, uh, but just separately. And in, in my opinion, I think it's better to do it mixed because you, you get, you get the opinions of the other gender. You don't just, if you're having a discussion, it's not just with your own, like uh, either females or males or whatever. But I think with, when you have everybody in the same room, you, you, all your opinions count and all your opinions can be discussed. And that really, that really, I don't know how to describe it, but it just, it brings an atmosphere that I personally enjoy more than just separate. I'm not sure I quite have a preference, but I agree there's definitely pros and cons of both. I mean, from experience, I think I find that when talking to other well, girls in my year or people that I know, they always like having that separate space in order for them to talk about issues that affect them without the pressure of there being, say, a boy in the classroom or someone like that who they might feel almost vulnerable to. So I feel like in that context, it's a lot easier to discuss things like that within separate sex spaces. But at the same time, I feel it's really important for both of them to be able to learn about each other and to work with each other. So I'm going to try and summarise your points. Um, so while there's benefits to single-sex and mixed-sex groups, what, you're, what you both really appreciate is young people working together in groups to have these conversations. And um, to kind of sum up your points, I suppose young people do want to have these difficult conversations but need adults to be proactive, not to be awkward, about it um, and your messages to teachers were don't worry young people aren't going to judge you harsher than you're going to judge yourself and you know be really clear with the content you know not using jargon or slang because this is the stuff that is going to stay with you for the rest of your lives anything to add guys yeah i just wanted to add one thing yeah um i think a lot of the time you know when you're on the playground when you're talking to your friends the 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 issue of relationships, sex, health, education, they just, we, we always joke about it. And I think in that sense, it's okay. But then as soon as we go to our PSHE lesson, everything's just silent and we don't want to, we don't want to talk about it a lot of the time if the teacher doesn't want to involve us. But um, I think we should be open, whether it's with an adult, whether it's just between our friends but I have noticed that depending on who you're surrounded by, that really impacts what you talk about and how you, you get your information across. That's all I wanted to add, really. See, now, Tara, that is super interesting because you're saying that, you know, your, your social environment is in a constant state of flux, as is what you're prepared to talk about and to what depth. So one friend in a group can make everything jokey, whereas as soon as they leave, everything can become serious and vice versa. And I'm guessing that's the same for teachers as well, you know. Um, How about you, George? Anything to add? I mean, just further on from Tara's point, I think it's very important to have those kind of informal discussions, both outside the classroom as well as inside. But it needs to be more education-based while also including young people's experiences and moving with the times within these kinds of sessions. 
Absolutely. And I think what I would say to both of your additional points is one, I think enough to communicate about relationship, sex and your health um, on many different levels from serious, um, inquisitive and factual places is important. But so is having the balance of being able to have lighthearted, humorous conversations about these things also really helps, um, you know, remove the awkwardness and remove the stigma around it. Um, And, George, I can't think of a better way to end than with the phrase, it's got to move with the times. And there are so many issues we didn't get to talk about in society to do with relationships, sex and health, you know, and particularly young people and where they fit into that. But I mean, you know, we're going to have to uh, get the PSHE Association to, um, well, we've got to convince them to do a round two, right? (laughs) Um, Guys, you absolutely crushed it. That was amazing. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening and I'll let you guys get back to your Sunday. All right. Ta-ra. That was RSHE Ready. Big thank you again to Jeremy from AYPH and also to George and Tara. Like we said at the beginning, you know, it's really important to hear from young people because these changes are being made for them. And I thought they did a fantastic job of expressing themselves there. Hopefully that's been really insightful for colleagues listening. Do remember to subscribe as well and you'll find out as and when new episodes are released. Take care for now.